0: Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1 into into 2. Let me read verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 1 and 2 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. The word perfection there has to do with completion. I hope you know that if you start a building and you lay the foundation, and you haven't done anything on top of that foundation, you haven't completed. Have you? I'm asking the question. Have you? If you lay the foundation, will you be able to sleep comfortably in that or on that structure? So Paul is saying that, therefore, leaving, in other words, we finished the foundation. As far as the church that he was writing to was concerned, he has he had taught them the foundation. He had given them all the doctrines. Then he says that let us therefore enter into the point of completion. Let's complete the building. We are building a house. So, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or to completion. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. This is the message we're going to treat today. That is the first fundamental doctrine or foundational doctrine or basic doctrine or elementary doctrine. In a way, as if By design, God just allowed the first to be last. Hallelujah. Yeah. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. I hope you know that much of our message has been centered on faith toward God. In fact, in the first place, you cannot even come into the kingdom until you, you, you are saved by grace through faith. For instance, a message like the gospel simplified is basically a message based on faith towards God. And many more messages we have preached in time past, and many more messages we're going to preach in the not-too-distant future are going to be based on faith because the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so faith is a fundamental doctrine that though it is basic, it is also part of the building. There are some things that you put into a foundation and those materials can also be a part of the building. I hope you know that. Faith is one such material. So, as we grow on, you will find out that many of our teachings will be based on strengthening our faith. Yesterday, at the Saturday prayer breakfast, for instance, we discovered that faith is the language of the believer. Are you there? I said, faith is what? The language of the believer. You cannot walk with God if you cannot talk God's language. For how can two walk together except they agree? Many of us walk with God, but we don't know that God speaks the language of faith. He calls the things that be not as though they were. Faith is the response of the human spirit to the word of God. So as I'm preaching right now, for instance, faith is being communicated because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So all throughout our journey, till we see Jesus face to face, until faith is turned to sight. For when we see him, we will no longer be living by faith. We have seen him. Hallelujah. The just right now shall live by faith. But when faith shall be turned to sight, there will be no more faith. Hallelujah. Are you there? There we will meet him face to face and relate with him. But until then, the faith message will continue. Hallelujah. But today that's not the message. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Haven't we treated that? We have treated Christian baptism in water. We even treated, received the Holy Spirit before we talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And of laying on of hands. Some say laying on of hands. I hope you remember we taught on impartation through the laying on of hands. Then of resurrection of the dead, one of the wonderful messages that we ever taught in this house. Then of eternal judgment, even of the resurrection of the dead, we even added the believer's hope. Hallelujah. One of the most wonderful messages we've ever taught in this house. Then we have what? And of eternal judgment. When it comes to eternal judgment, we taught... The judgment seat of Christ, and last week, Sunday, we also taught on three final judgments. All these messages are available on YouTube, hallelujah, as well as on Facebook. So, the first is going to be last today, which is what? Repentance from dead works. Some say repentance from dead works. What does it mean to say repentance? The word repentance translated in this verse of scripture, Hebrews chapter 6, the verse 1, is from a Greek word which means a change. Of mind, some say change of mind. So when God says that we should not lay the foundation again of repentance from dead works, for us, this is the time we are laying that foundation. God wants you to know that there is a place where He would want us to have a change of mind from dead works. Someone said dead works. I hope you know that, for instance, when we treated the judgment seat of Christ. We discovered that at the judgment seat of Christ, it is salvation that will usher you into the presence of God at the rapture. And then your works will follow you. But there are two kinds of works. They are what the Bible calls good works. And then here we find out that there's also dead works. We discovered when we're dealing with judgment seat of Christ that when Jesus looks through our works with his eyes like a flame of fire, if your works were of gold, of silver, of precious stones, it will be refined. Hallelujah. So we can call gold, silver, and precious stones as good works. Some say good works. But if your works were of wood, of hay, or of stubble, or of or straw, the, the New King James says straw, if your works were of wood, hay, or straw, then that is dead works because when he looks through your works, it will burn into ashes. And you will suffer loss, Hallelujah. Although those works must have been celebrated, must have been hailed by men, or might have been hailed by men. Men might have celebrated you. Men might have said you are doing well. See how you are blessing people. In the sight of God, in the sight of God, that may be dead works. Some say dead works. I don't think anybody wants to lay that kind of foundation in his life, where everything that you did in this life, as far as God is concerned. When you appear before him, it will burn into ashes. That's dead works. It's not good works. Mind you, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 makes us to understand that we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works. Say, I am created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Matthew five sixteen, for instance, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So God wants us to live For good works. After we are born again, we are born again to do good works. Even in the book of Acts chapter 10, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Hallelujah. So there is nothing wrong with good works so long as it is done to glorify God. In fact, what what constitutes good works? Let me just read what I wrote down here. Okay? I said that dead works... Are works which do not have eternal value. Some say dead works are works which do not have eternal value. I said, dead works are works which when tested in the fire of the judgment seat of Christ burn into ashes. That's dead works. On the other hand, good works are works which have eternal value. Good works are works which when tested in the fire of the judgment seat of Christ get refined. So you are either doing dead works, though men may celebrate it, or you are doing good works. Hallelujah. So when God says repentance from dead works, what he was telling was, was that repentance from dead works has to do with to turn away from dead works, to be separated from dead works unto good works. In fact, the word repentance, apart from being changed of mind, also means to turn away. Some say turn away. It's like you were going in this direction. And to repent is to turn away, turn your back towards good works, and now follow good works. Because you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Don't let your works be celebrated by men, but be frowned upon by God. That's what God is telling us. It doesn't matter what we do in this life. If men say you are okay, and God says you are not okay, you are not okay. And Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. If you want man's applause, man's judgment, you may, you, may, you may be misled and you may labor in vain. Paul said that I want to be fond of him. That after I have labored, I will not be, I will not be a cast away. I will not be disappointed. I will not be disca- disqualified. That's the word. Disqualified. How will you feel like when after you have labored, all that you have done, after you gave your life to Christ, God says that they don't mean anything. They are all dead words, bent into ashes. I'm telling you, we will not waste our time like that. Hallelujah. Say, I am created in Christ Jesus for good works. Glory be to God. I even wrote down here, I said, Dead works are wood, hay, and straw. Good works are gold, silver, and precious stones. Somebody say amen. So it's important that as a church... And as individual members of the body of Christ, from time to time, we assess ourselves whether what we are doing is dead works or it is good works. Hallelujah! Please, are you there? It's important that you assess yourself. You must judge yourself. We discovered when we were treating judgment seat of Christ that the only way to avoid, you know, God's disapproval at the judgment seat of Christ is to continually judge yourself so that you will not be judged. Because if God is going to judge you, it may be for condemnation. But when you judge yourself, you, you correct yourself. Hallelujah. Correct yourself. This thing that I'm doing, does it please God? Does it reveal Jesus? Because we saw at the judgment seat of Christ, when we're treating that subject, we saw that the foundation God has laid is Jesus Christ. Anything you do that does not reveal Jesus, that does not bring glory to Jesus, is dead works. Some of us do works just to make a name for ourselves. Just to bring glory and attention to ourselves, we want men to recognize that we are also doing something. We want men to applaud us, applaud us, we want men to, to, to celebrate us, men to see our fame and our name and to be celebrated. If it is of a wrong motive, if it was of an ill motive, if it was not of good intention, mind you, men may say you are okay, but God will say I don't approve of this because God looks at the heart, men look at the outward appearance. Are you there? Say, I refuse to do dead works because I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So repentance from dead works has to do with turning away from anything that does not glorify Jesus. I told you that I like this song which, which says, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. He said, oh Thou spirit divine, all my nature refined till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Hallelujah. The beauty of Jesus said that whatever you do, whatever you say, wherever you go, whoever you relate with, it is not about you. It's about Jesus being revealed through you. That is good works. But if your motive in this life, come on, how long are you going to live in this life? Said that you want to make a name. You want to be celebrated. You want to build an empire. Ask those in Genesis chapter 11 who wanted to build an empire like a man like Nimrod who gathered the whole world, So let's make a name for ourselves. And they were one, so one that God felt that, hey, if we don't scatter these people, they will achieve their evil imagination. So that was when God divided languages. The whole world had only one language, but that was the first time God divided our tongues. Some spoke trees, some spoke ever. So if I come and say that, the viewer, they say, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. What is the viewer name? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And that's how God stopped their works because it was dead works. They were building to make a name for themselves. They wanted to disconnect from God. They wanted to do without God. How can man do without God? This is the problem with Europe as a a continent at the moment. People who started with the founding fathers of Christianity, who built the right foundation, the generation that have come after the founding fathers, say we don't want to have anything to do with God. And they have all the blessings as a result of the foundation. Talk about money. Talk about materials. Talk about intelligence. Talk about intellectual power. Talk about craft. I'm talking about manufacturing ability. They have it all. So they believe that that is what makes them independent of God. And they are living without God. Building without God. But see, Africa will help Europe. Hallelujah. I said, I prophesy, Africa will help Europe. They brought the gospel to us. We must help them. Hallelujah. They must understand the gospel and realize that it doesn't matter what you do. You can be doing all those things, but in the sight of God, that's dead works. May God help us in Jesus' name. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Let me show you a scripture. Building on this foundation called repentance from dead works, let's go to 2 Peter 3, the verse 9. Let me read the verse 9. Peter says, The Lord... It's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can I read that again? I said, the Lord, he is not slack. What does he mean to be slack? Let me show you what I wrote down here. To be slack from the Greek word, it means to delay or to be slow or to tarry. To delay. Some people believe that God, ah, isn't it a long time ago that he said he's coming? Oh, forget about it. He's not coming anywhere. Are you there? They believe that some even say in tree. they say that, oh, you know, God is so slow. It's a lie. It is because he does not will that any should perish. If God is to judge all of us right now, I'm telling you, I don't know how many. The Bible says, if the Lord shall mark iniquity, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with him that he may be feared. The reason why God doesn't judge so quickly is because, hey, he is so righteous that every iota of iniquity will be judged and you'll be condemned. So it's not because he is slack. It's not because he is slow to judge or to punish. The Lord... It's not slack concerning his promise. The question is, which promise? Take it from verse 3, and you see which promise he's talking about. Let's read from the verse 3, yeah. We'll see the promise. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers. Who are scoffers? Can I ask a question? Who, who are scoffers? Who is a scoffer? People talk to me. Maybe you have another word in your version. Who is a scoffer? Somebody who makes mockery. Somebody who ridicules. Somebody who says, oh, oh don't mind them. That's a scoffer. He said, "Knowing verse three of the same chapter, Second Peter chapter three, knowing this, first that scoffers will come in the last days. Are we not in the last days? If we are in the last of the last days, because we have discovered from Scripture that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. So we who are in the 21, I mean, 2100 years after the last days began, we are actually in the last of the last days. It is called end time. Time is about ending." They will come, there will be no more time. The only time will remain, that will remain, will be the thousand year reign. And after that, no more time. Eternity. Hallelujah. So we who are in the last days, mindful, be mindful of what God is saying. He said, knowing this, that first, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Look at the question. You're asking, Where? You have been telling us, Jesus, coming. forget about it. They always say, oh, don't forget, forget. Let's go and uh, drink and enjoy ourselves. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Have you seen their thoughts? They believe that everything, nothing has changed. So what are you talking about? We don't believe anything like Jesus is coming back. For this, they will, willfully forget. Did you hear that? They willfully, in other words they know, but they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. One day we can talk about verses. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for, the, for fire. Hmm. Until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, verse 8, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Are you there? Verse 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. What is slackness? I wrote it down here. It means slowness. Delay. They counted that, oh, God is too slow. Mm, he He will not even come let's just live and die after all, every day we die. It's a lie. Don't talk like that as a child of God. Hallelujah. Don't live for yourself. Live for a cause and that cause is the one who died for you. Hallelujah. Verse 9 again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but it's long suffering. Some say long suffering. Oh, the Greek word. It's a powerful word but this word can be applicable to a believer as well as to God. Let me look at the application to God. One day we can talk about long suffering as the fruit of the Spirit applicable to the believer, okay? But when it comes to God, long suffering means to be patient in bearing the offenses of others. Someone said to be patient. How many of us have that ability to be patient in bearing? Somebody offends you, you bear with it. Offends you, you bear with it. For years, you bear with it. That is called long, look at the name, long-suffering. In other words, you suffer the pain, the offense, for long. You don't retaliate. You don't don't fight back. You don't punish so quickly. That is long-suffering. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And we are supposed to exhibit that fruit. Many of us don't have long-suffering. We believe in eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You touch me, I'll touch you seven times. Fire don't burn you. <laughs> I'm talking <in> the language. <laughs> oh my God, have mercy on me. <laughs> to be patient in bearing the offenses of others, to be slow to anger, slow to punish. That's long suffering. That's God's long suffering. Many times we don't exhibit this, we, we are quick to punish. But God is slow to anger and slow to punish. So, look at the verse 9 again of 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any shall perish. What does it mean to perish? Let me tell you. It means to give over to eternal misery in hell. The Greek word translated perish here means to give over. God is not willing to give anybody over to eternal misery in hell. That's not his will. Do you know why? Because he never created a human being and purpose that one day a human being should suffer in hell. Mind you, hell is not a final destination of all rebels. Even hell, we discovered in last, mes- last week's message, three final judgments, that even hell will be cast into the everlasting fire. The final place of all rebels is the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25 verse 41. And God is not willing to hand over anybody to eternal misery in hell and from hell to the everlasting fire. It is never his will. It is never the will of God. He, don't, he doesn't have that in him. God is love. Because he never prepared hell and everlasting fire for any human being. So he is long suffering towards us, not willing that any shall perish, but what? Also change their mind. Also come to repentance. That is why a believer who doesn't renew his mind can suffer, you know, loss when Jesus shall come. I'm telling you, you can be taken on our ways. You can be caught on our ways when we are caught up. But I pray none of us will be caught unawares. Hallelujah. None of us will be caught unawares. I mean, if you are a believer and you don't renew your mind periodically with the Word of God, you don't allow the Word of God to help you remove the old stuff that you have in your mind and bring in the new, chances are that you'll be living like the ordinary man, the natural man, and that can catch you unawares. But it will not happen to any member in this house. No, anybody that gets access to this message in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right. Let's to, let's go to First Timothy 2 to buttress the point we just made in 2 Peter 3:9. Let's go to 2nd First Timothy, rather. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Apostle Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 from verses 1 through 4. And I read, he says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4 says, who desires? The the King James says, who desires? Who wills? Hmm? is that what he said? Who wills? God wills. In other words, you want to know the will of God, look at God's will. Who desires, who wills all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge. The Greek word is epignosis. Epignosis is exact, complete, actual, full knowledge. Not partial knowledge, complete knowledge. God wants all men to come to the complete knowledge of the truth. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? shall make you free. It doesn't set free. Some verses say set free. It makes you free. There's a difference between setting free and making free. Setting you free is like, it's like removing the chain. You know you can set an animal free and it will still be standing there as if in its mind it's still in bondage. But to make you free is to produce freedom from within. We're out, out of the chain. Now you go out and produce results. Hallelujah. You shall be made free by the truth. That you know in the name of Jesus. God does not will. He said, "No." who desires all men to be saved? He wills all men to be saved. Have you seen the mind of God? It is never the will of God that anybody shall perish. He wants all men to come to repentance. All men to be saved. And to come to the exact knowledge of the truth. Some have some partial knowledge of the truth. I told you before that truth plus error equals what? Who can remember? Truth. Plus error. That means you have not listened to the very first message on the 15th of April. Hmm? Deception. Truth plus error is deception. It is just that sometimes you find truth being more in magnitude than the error. So you need more discernment to be able to ascertain that hmm, there's some deception somewhere. And the other times where the deception is also more. You don't need anybody to tell you that ah, this one is is you understand. But outright error that's not what, what the enemy is operating with in this end time because he knows that now people there's knowledge everywhere bible said in the book of daniel that in the last days knowledge shall abound so because knowledge has abounded satan is no longer using outright error he knows if he brings outright error to you you are likely to know that ah this one is error so you will mix truth plus error which is deception and you've got to use discernment that is why we must grow. That is why we must know the truth for ourselves. So that when he brings his deception, you can tell the difference And Satan. Get out of my sight! I won't buy this theory. Hallelujah. May God give you discernment and give you a sense of, you know, knowing that ah, this is truth. This is error. So you can rightly divide the word of truth. Somebody say amen. Alright. Turn to Romans chapter 2 the verse 4. The last verse for today. Romans 2. Verse 4. Apostle Paul writing here says that, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? He's asking a question here. Please, have you seen how God deals with people? You know, oftentimes we think that. Just like we human beings do. If you want somebody to repent, for instance, if somebody commits murder right now, to let the person repent, the ideal place to take that person is where? To where? To prison. And sometimes, the condition of imprisonment is not pleasant at all. To say the least. Hallelujah. So, we believe that to make that person repent is to punish that individual. Then he will repent. But God doesn't operate like man. It's not every time God punishes just to make you repent. There are times where God, in spite of all your rebellion, in spite of all your wickedness, in spite of all the negative things you are doing, he still shows you good. Because he wants to do you good so that you will know that it's not about you. It was while you were still a sinner and that he died for you. So he wants you to repent. That is why he makes a sun to shine upon both the righteous and unrighteous. Rain comes upon both the righteous and the unrighteous. It's not because God cannot decipher between righteous and unrighteous. It's because he is good. He is intrinsically good. God is good by nature. He is love. So he says, don't you know that he said, do you despise the forbearance of God? Let me read it again. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? God is so rich in goodness. Hallelujah forbearance you know forbearance it's like long suffering, where you forbear you 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 accommodate the thing is breaking you but you accommodate you just say okay it's okay meanwhile you know that you are feeling it but it's okay that's forbearance it's a part of the fruit of the recreated spirit i pray that you walk in forbearance so there are three riches mentioned here do you despise the riches of his goodness Forbearance and long suffering. God is rich in long suffering. Hey, I wish that as a church we will cultivate these riches. Not only gold and silver, but rich in goodness, rich in forbearance, rich in what? Long suffering. Somebody say, I want to be rich. I hope you want to be rich. So be rich in goodness. That is why he tells us in Romans chapter 12, for instance, when your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed him. When he is thirsty, Give him water to drink, for in doing so you are heaping coals of fire on his head. Then the last verse says that and do not be overcome with evil but overcome evil with what? Good. Say, I'm rich in goodness. Oh, I pray that we will be rich, not only in money, but rich in goodness. Rich in forbearance. Being able to accommodate one another. They were timid, we coming. It's too much. Somebody steps on your toe. you want to now step on his toes and his, on his liver. You want to... <laughs> Hey, hmm. rich in goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering. As for long-suffering. I don't know how many of us have long-suffering like God. He said, do you despise all these riches? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Oh, you don't know. that when God is showing you good, it's not because he approves of that thing you are doing. It's because he wants you to change your mind. Turn away from that wicked heart. So he's showing you good because he loves you. He does no will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is why he, he forbears. That is why he's good to us. That is why he's long-suffering. And I pray that having been shown so much goodness by God in spite of our wickedness, in spite of all the things that we do, having received God's forbearance, if God were to mark our iniquity, brother and sister, I'm telling you, all of us will be consumed. Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Do you know that in, 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 in the time of judgment, I told you that even our, our thoughts are louder than our words? On the day of accountability, every thought you ever had and you didn't repent of, it will be displayed. Your thoughts will just be portrayed on the screen, and everybody will know the filthy thoughts. Oh my God. The wicked imaginations, some are so malicious that they can plan that look, we're gonna finish this man. Eh? This is what we must do. This is what we call malice. Not that evil should happen them per adventure, but you are now cooking, planning, and, and devising how the wickedness should happen to the individual. Brothers and sisters, Galatians 6-7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that is what he will reap. If you are a child of God and you are in the habit of sowing evil, mind you, you will reap a harvest of evil. We have been called to do good. Hallelujah. He has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, not dead works. Don't let men celebrate you. And God says, I don't approve of you. Hallelujah. Say, I turn away from dead works. And from this day forward, I choose to go do good works because I was created for that purpose in Jesus' name. Put your hands together to the lord somebody put your hands together to the lord glory be to god